Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hayner. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership and visibility, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. We also publish exclusive material, offers and behind the scenes content in our Building Brand You Facebook group. And if you'd like to find out more about our Building Brand You coaching programs, you can book a free 20 minute call with me where we'll explore where you are and whether Building Brand You coaching is the right fit for you. You'll find both of those links, as well as many others, in the show notes. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in Building Brand You. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Building Brand You Down Under, a special series where we're going to talk to Australian entrepreneurs about healthy brand and healthy business. Today, our episode is all about healthy business, and I'm really delighted to welcome James Mason as our special guest for this episode. I met James about three and a half years ago now, through a colleague of mine who has been intimately involved in the MindShop group as a consultant for many, many years. MindShop is a fantastic business, perhaps little known overseas, but widely respected and regarded here in Australia, who work with accountancies and advisors to help them grow their business in a sustainable, profitable and community-minded manner. Today, James is going to share his insights on not just being the managing director of MindShop, but also how he stepped into and is now furthering his father's legacy, Chris Mason, who was the founder of MindShop. A little more about James. James has over 20 years experience supporting leading consultants and professional services firms around the world in growing successful advisory businesses. As managing director of the global advisory network MindShop, he oversees the advisory training, coaching, resource development, innovation and growth needs of over 4,000 business leaders and advisors in 12 countries who are part of the MindShop community. His experience provides him with unique insight into what works and what does not in the delivery of advisory services. And I can think of no better person to have as our special guest on this episode. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the wonderful James Mason. So hello, James, how are you today? Thanks for joining us on Building Brand You. Fantastic, Kim. Thank you for having me. Uh, great to connect with you. We, you know, it's been a few years. It has. It has. You people wouldn't let me into back into Australia, so I had to wait my turn, I think, was 
Yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, I could get into the political side of this, but <laughs> a little, little too early. Uh, I'll leave that one to one side, but great to allow you back into the country. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, James, what I do with all my building brand new uh, special guests is to basically hand the mic over to you. I think you'll do a much better job of, of introducing yourself than I ever would. So, um, so who is James Mason? So what's your story? Yeah, look, uh, where do I start? Um, it's, it's probably not one of those stories that's, uh, you know, went, went through challenges and, you know, made this twist and this turn. And, you know, lo and behold, we've gotten to where we are. I think it's just been a, a story of, uh, you know, just tenacity and, um, continuous improvement for, for many, many years. So I, uh, as managing director of, of Mindshop, um, Mindshop's been around since 1994, and we're now one of the leading uh, groups providing uh, support to advisors uh, globally, uh, where we give them everything they need to build, sell, deliver advisory services. So I guess that's the, the end point, but it's been, a, you know, since I got involved in Mindshop in 2000, 2001, uh, it's been just a, acting like a big sponge over that journey, um, starting off um, being thrown in the deep end by my father who founded the business um, back in 94 uh, to, to start running it. Um, so I'd come out and done a, you know, out of university, having done a Bachelor of Computing Information Management. So I was the IT guy. Um, so that gave me, a, a, I guess, a, a, enough to be dangerous in some of the spaces we're moving into as a Mindshop group. Um, but uh, it was a bit of a baptism by fire to then start um, building my own personal brand, own capabilities um, in a market that was um, yeah, not very online back then. Um, but the, I guess, foundation that I had in the IT space allowed me to add that mark to, to Mindshop and just continue to grow us from a, a small base in Melbourne, Australia, to now being in a 11 countries with you know, thousands of members and seeing probably one of the, the market leaders in what we do. So it's, uh, yeah, I was thrown into it early, um, at an early age, but um, yeah, certainly it's been a, a, a great sort of, probably a, a, a slow and steady journey uh, from once I got involved with Mindshop to where we are today is now continuing to, to look for growth opportunities globally. Fantastic. You mentioned that, um, so your father, Chris Mason, founded the company. Was there always a logical um, sense or logical expectation that you would that you would join Mindshop or, or was it not there? No, I think it, it, it was. It certainly wasn't in the early days. We'd had other external management in place. Um, but when things uh, changed in that area, it was seemed like a logical um, next step to have somebody that he could trust to uh, start running the day to day. Um, he took that as an opportunity to uh, uh, not come to the office after that point in time. So that's been uh, 20, 20 plus years of, of that. So that's uh, that's a, a great succession planning tool. Um, just have uh, children. And, <laughs> Yeah, well, and and, and just uh, yeah, step step back. But he, he did surround me with lots of you know great people, great uh, knowledge, and and allowed me to put my own stamp on the business, which is which has been great. And um, you know, I think the success to date is uh, is testament to to that. But it's yeah, it's it's certainly been a long a, a long journey. But um, yeah, he he certainly was the you need a certain type of person that starts these things, and he's a. Uh, you know, quite an innovator and big, big thinker. And I was probably much more the person that did lots and lots of things um, and probably got the vast majority of them right, just did a lot of things quickly and was good with implementation. And, and but, you know, 
that only lasts you for a few years and then you, I've got to continuously evolve my own personal brand and, and where I want to be going going forward as well. So that each sort of five or six years, that's, that's certainly been evolving over the MyShop journey. Yeah, I really love what you said there about, uh, you know, there are often two different types of people it takes. There's sort of the innovator and the big picture thinker who comes up with all the ideas and then you actually need someone to get it done. Sort of like the innovate and implement yeah. kind yeah. of balance, isn't it? It's a fantastic team. Absolutely. And it takes a long time to actually appreciate that as well. You, you know, sometimes I think when you've got two different personalities, you, there, there can be a lot of pushing and pulling between the, the two. But I think once you actually mature as a business and as um, and probably for myself personally you start to have a better appreciation of the strength that each party brings to the table and, and allow them to do their own thing um, to make sure that's for the, the, the you know the, the success of the business going forward mm. and you also mentioned one of my favorite topics personal branding um, <laughs> so you know <laughs> you you mentioned you know having you know coming into the business and and having to establish yourself um, you know, I guess as a, as a viable and trusted brand in the business that it wasn't mm. just, you know, your dad that brought you, you know, you had skills and, and things you could really bring to the business. So talk a little bit about how you found that, that um, transition, I guess, um, from joining the business first and then building out that personal brand. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because uh, in the space that we're in with business advisory, I mean, it's typically you've got to have a lot of grey hair to be seen as as trusted and, and worthy of giving advice to others. Um, and I didn't have that and I still probably don't have enough of it. I was going to say, he doesn't have very much at all. <laughs> yeah, look, my, my wife does tell me it's, 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 it's there, but... Um, uh, yeah, but, but early on, my brand was much, as I touched on earlier, around speed. Um, around trust, around connection. And, and I think the other trade, in, especially in business advisory and consulting is uh, so many people try and fake it before you make it. But my approach was much more around just listening and acting like a big sponge and just trying to be a really good problem solver. So my bent around technology in the early days put me into good stead and I was a fast uh, learner on lots of things. So I just listened, soaked things up. That was sort of the brand for the first number of years and, and probably the first decade, decade or so. And then it evolved into somebody that had enough uh, you know, battle scars to understand what's working, what's not, and get into actually starting to have more of a voice and an opinion, um, which I think uh, I had the track record to be able to do. Um, but again, that, that never stops, I found in this space. You've got to uh, just keep evolving who you are and uh, that takes a lot of, I guess, emotional intelligence and understanding and self-reflection of where your strengths and weaknesses are and, and being okay to be authentic with, uh, you know, what, who that is, um, what, you know, where do I want to go as an individual and where's that best use and, you know, the cliche of bringing in good people around us to um, fill some of those gaps. I think we've got a, I'm in a good space with that at the moment where I'm probably at a point where in our journey of, okay, what's the next evolution from my personal brand perspective um, because I think I've, I'm probably ticking a lot of the boxes for people where mind shops at at the moment but to take us to the next level that's going to involve me stepping up another notch again mm, yeah you're right it never ends does it you know if we think we're finished we're going to get a rude awakening I think yeah and I, I, I again meet thousands of advisors and uh, lots and lots of people and you start to understand 
the traits of those that get success in this space and those that don't. And there are a lot of people that like to be the, the top of their tree and surround themselves with people that they can always be teaching. But I tend to find they're not often learning from a lot of people. So I tend to like to surround myself with enough people that I can teach, but also a lot of people I can learn from. And I like to be mid-pack. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're always, it keeps you humble, it keeps you grounded, um, it keeps you learning. Um, and I think that humility is important in this advisory space where, mm. uh, yeah, you can be bamboozled easily with a, a thousand different acronyms and everybody's got some new triple backflip approach to, yeah, it, that, that's, that's, that's taken a while. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it has. And it, and it um, you know, I love that sense. I'm at this stage in, in my business as well. I've not been doing it for as long as you have. Um, but, um, you know, at the stage of having reached some goals and ticked some boxes and going, okay, what's next? How am I going to push myself next? Where, where does this need to go next? Where do I need to go? What will, you know, what will fulfill me? as well both yeah. personally and professionally yeah yeah and i think it's a you, you've got to go through that journey of understanding again authentically from your own perspective what you're trying to achieve from a vision perspective what's realistic um uh, you know but also be surrounded by people that can challenge you on that mm. as well with your best interests at heart i think too mm. many people challenge you trying to turn you into something you're not whereas i think the good people listen first understand where you want to go and then help you on that journey by challenging you in the right context. And mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a, a rare trade. I find with a lot of people, especially again in this world, that they're all trying to put people into a mold that they would like rather than trying to help people set out their own mold. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's, I think what's really um, interesting for me is, um, you know, when I sort of came into the personal branding space and started working with leaders and things like that, it's not about coming along and going, and this is what a leader looks like. So therefore you have to do this. It's about you first, you're a person first. And, you know, it's hard work to pretend you're something that you're not, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, a lot of people do fall into that trap of, um, trying to be all things to all people. And I, I don't think there's a shortcut for people. It, it does take time. And, I, I, it, you know, there's a lot of very confident young people coming through, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but again, in, in our world, I think some of them can be come across as inauthentic because you, you can almost see through that, uh, you know, they think it's their personal brand, but I think they're, they're really trying to be something they're not. So okay. I, I, it's a yeah. bit of a paradox oh, on the way yeah. through. So I think as you touched on the personal branding space is a, is an interesting area. Mm, it is. It is definitely. Uh, and what's what is even more interesting is that who I'm attracted to tend to be older people who are actually looking to mm. unlock something about themselves rather than be a brand, so to speak. So it's, it's really, really interesting discussion. And I guess too, just segueing into the the kind of business that that Mind Shop is. Um, you know, you're not out front and centre necessarily in front of, you know, big clients and all of that sort of thing. You're actually the engine for independent advisors and, and firms, aren't you? So, yeah. so yeah, we're, we're like the, the Intel chip in the computer hidden away behind the yeah. scenes, driving yeah. everything and providing them all the resources, yeah. the training and the support and tech. And But that, that's how we like it as well, because we want it to be about um, almost get reflected glory in the success of others rather than it all being us up in lights. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's give you a little bit of reflected glory uh, now. So tell us, um, tell me a little bit about uh, the sort of where Mindshop is now. You mentioned you're in 11 countries, you know, um, how many um, independent advisors do you work with? How long have they been with you? I, I mean, I know one personally, obviously, um, yeah. Michael, Michael Burke. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, you've gone to the top of the tree there. No, look, I mean, we've, we've got hundreds and hundreds of advisors, um, you know, thousands of then their, their clients who are using our intellectual property as, as well, but um, predominantly based in Australia, New Zealand, um, the UK and North America. Uh, they're, they're sort of our primary markets, but we've always got people in you know, places like uh, Singapore and Germany and France and, and others as, as well. Um, and we're at a point where we've got a good sweet spot at the moment. We've got a really good community um, globally, um, many of which have been with us for you know, 20, 25 years. Um, but our average tenure at the moment, I think we're averaging about 7.5, 8 years. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're big on customer lifetime uh, value from, yep. from our perspective. We'd, we're not the type that you know, likes to have a big churn rate. We like you know, deeper relationships um, that we can see people grow over time so people you know engage with us at, at different tiers you know an independent advisor can you know work with us for as little as you know aussie dollars uh, 600 a month and they get all the, the resources we provide them from the tools methodologies workshops with presenter notes everything that they can take and put their own brand on um, but then we provide them regular training face to face and online we give them technology to run their own online coaching online training um, they use our online diagnostic tools, which they can custom build. So there's lots of different tentacles. But the good thing I like with it is that then attracts and retains the best of the best, that they know that they can create their own scaled advisory model using MindShop, but it's, it's all their own brand. So the independent advisors love it. The accounting firms that get involved with us like it as well because they're all, all trying to move beyond the numbers mm -hmm. and uh, they want to learn these skills and advisory um, capabilities and, and have a methodology that can inter, interweave with what's already potentially working well with them. So we're not a, you know, we're sort of agnostic. We don't say, look, you know, like a lot of these rigid methodologies out there, look, this is our way and it's the only way you can do it. We just say, look, we've got lots of really good stuff. Grab it, integrate it into what you're, you're doing. Um, and the accounting firms and others and bigger consulting groups, they'll scale up with us and they'll add more and more licenses into people working with us. Um, we've got you know, no long-term contracts. If they don't get value over time, they leave. But again, uh, you know, we're just growing through referrals um, mm. now, which is how we like it. And then people then using our technology platforms to then scale up in large leadership development programs, um, virtual coaching. So it gives people the ability to move beyond that, you know, limited face-to-face, um, one-to-one to this sort of one-to-many model. So us going forward is about helping quality advisors continue to scale their offerings mm. um and uh yeah it's it's a just a nice sweet spot where we're not empire builders we're not trying to you know uh we're not the rah-rah types um we just we, we just like working with people that you can almost have home to dinner you just want to just nice people looking for growth quite humble um you know very much embrace that growth mindset where they can just they're always learning we don't like big egos in in mind shop um and i think that as a from getting back to your question of where we're at at the moment yeah it's it's a nice feeling when you're in that sweet spot where you just go we've, we've got always um looking for more quality growth but we're in a good place globally where we're just trying to continuously improve what we're offering to um, our members yeah and how did um i have to ask the p word how did the pandemic um affect that, you know, you or the or the uh, the advisory business for others. Uh, yeah, look at that first few weeks. It was um, uh, yeah quite scary for for everybody. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 
the type that is, you know, tried to read as much as I could. So I, I, you know, quite quickly sort of got my head around, okay, well, there was obviously the initial concerns of, okay, you worry about yourself personally, then it was switched after I'd read enough to go, okay, I'm more concerned about the, the business side of things now and, and the, then letting down the team if there's any issues there. So, yeah, like everybody, we did all the modelling, the um, holy shit model of this is going to be a catastrophe to yeah. uh, status quo to marginal impact. Um, you know, our model was heavily predicated on face-to-face interaction. We do, you know, global go around the world four times a year catching up with people and running all our events so pivoting all that to online um it was it was a you you look back now and it was interesting that uh, you know i think it's an interesting test of where people default to and you don't unless you're facing something like that understand where your default goes and and for us it and I was surprised. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised. We, we really jumped on the front foot early. I think we were quite innovative in a lot of the methodologies that we came up with to help our advisors advise their clients. And we just, yeah, it was almost like you just unconsciously, competently, just, right, let's get in and support everybody. And we just jumped in, ran webinars regularly, um, where these bursts of um, just trying to say, hey, we've got you. Here's all the stuff. Let's all talk about it. It's fine. Everything's being, you know, overcooked a little bit. It'll all come, you know. And, um, yeah, look, we, we certainly had a few that got quite um, nervous and, you know, either dropped out of consulting or said, look, we're just cutting costs. And so we're hit a little bit by that. But then at the same time, you've got a whole bunch of others that said, hey, uh, we really need MindShop's help more than ever at the moment. And so we actually got an influx of new joiners come on. And, and I think what a lot of people saw in us is that they went, wow, to, to see what how you all stepped up and the support you gave to us and the, the almost extreme customer centricity that we defaulted to, uh, people said, you got us for another 10 years um, because the way you helped us keep calm and just look strategically at this and then give us the tools to help our clients, that was really cool. and, and um, we knew you guys would probably do that, but it was nice to see it in practice when the shit hits the fan. So uh, I think from our perspective, it was, um, yeah, daunting, taught us a lot. Nice to reflect now. Don't want to do it again. Um, I was certainly over Zoom like everybody else by the end. I think probably most of our customers were. Um, but there's a little bit of that happening again anyway. I mean, we've just done all our global events face-to-face wherever we could, but there's still so many travel issues, other bits and pieces. So we're just running hybrid now, not in terms of, I can't stand the, you know, face to face with a, a virtual at the same time. I, mm. I'm dead against that. But yeah, we, you know, we'll run face to face, and then we'll continue to run some virtual events to just be inclusive for people that still aren't comfortable to travel or be involved. Yeah, and uh, that'll be the way we go. So that's a long winded way of saying that, yeah, challenging, but probably um, in reflection, uh, it, it solidified the relationships that we had, and mm. probably challenged us to innovate because we we're probably on a bit like everybody on a bit of a hamster we we're just evolving each year and that was great but it really went right let's like circuit break the whole thing yeah and uh differently going forward yeah definitely definitely um and i think what what really comes across is it gave you a chance to really assess the health of your business um and could it you know this thing seem to come out of nowhere people 
tell me that it was coming for a long time. But, you know, for, for most of us, it was it came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden we had to make different choices and think about, well, how do we sustain some sort of business over this time? We've still, we've still got to eat. We've got employees to, they've got families to feed, um, all of that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I'd really like to sort of explore a little bit more about what it means to build a healthy business. And I think, um, you know, you're in a great place to sort of see that because you have the mind shop business that needs to be taken care of. Um, but, you are on a daily basis, you know, dealing with um, independent advisors, having their own business. And you mentioned accountancies, accounting firms um, also. So um, I'm just going to sort of ask an open question here about what, what do you think are some of the key indicators of a healthy business apart from profit? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I think profit you know, it still is a core core component of it because yeah. I think there are a lot of um, businesses I come across that that look great on paper and aren't really great businesses. They're just not sustainable because they're just not profitable. So uh, I think they're, uh, I see that in advisory as well, lots of people with lots, lots of volume. You know, I've got, gosh, I've got 200 people coming to my event, but I'm like, yeah, it's a free event, you know, and you're not converting anything out of it. So that, it doesn't, it, some of that, those metrics don't impress me. I, I, I still do like profit as a good metric of um, a successful um, business, um, yeah. but the foundations from a broader healthy business um, from my perspective is first and foremost having that I can genuinely see um, implemented core values that, that really come through in the business, not just that we've, you know, if I, I go down a few levels in our, our building, there's a couple of businesses where they've got the, the cliche, you know, values all over the wall in big print. And, and a lot of them are just permission to play values as well, you know, integrity, honesty, um, you know, uh, that, that's, that's stuff that should be default. Um, yeah, aren't they just human values? Genuine, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on just seeing genuinely core values that are authentic coming through. Uh, I think great people that have been there um, for a while that, Again, humble, listen well, uh, not not too much ego in that. I think a, a great team uh, is is important as well. Uh, I think a continuously improving product or service. You don't want to see those stagnated um, businesses that people that are just constantly curious um, about the market, uh, best practice outside of their market that they can take on board. Great insights to interweave into what they do. Uh, that, they're, that they're growing, but not growing for just how big's big. It's it's growing because it's just naturally occurring or they've been quite intentional about taking market share. Um, but yeah, probably the other couple of things from a foundational perspective is, I touched on a bit earlier, but around good customer lifetime value that we, we sort of acronym it up to CLV. But yep. I think if you're seeing, seeing that occurring in a business you know they're innovating, you know they're evolving. Um, and, and importantly on that, that they're continuously attracting and retaining the best of the best. That's an attribute because it's easy to attract the best and they go. But I think if yeah. you can attract them and retain them long-term, that's a, a good indicator for me. Um, and, and then I think, you know, things just around innovation and authenticity as, as well. So I think wrapping all of that out as foundational, you know, mm. Yeah, growth is one part, but that, that should then flow through to your running an efficient, systematised, using technology. All yeah. it, It's sort of like you, you've got to be across everything. 
now yeah. to, to make that work. I'm a director of an IT business as well that's um, a good midsize and, and we're applying all the same logic into that as we apply in here. And it's been nice to then see that achieve all its goals and continue to grow. And it's, it's the same, same across all these different businesses, all those foundational elements, but you can't sort of just, you know, leave one of those levers out. It's something, it, it does yeah. have a knock on. Yeah, and I really loved what you, I mean, I agree with all of it. Uh, and I think that um, the, the key thing is thinking about customer lifetime value, not just the customers you have today, but how are you, um, how are you making them part of your, your story as a business? And, and, and are you really serving them um, so they yeah, keep coming back? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, probably the bit that sits across all of that is, is obviously the, the elephant in the room, which is just great leadership. You know, I think actually having leaders that, that you know, demonstrate that authentically and, and lead by example, um, not just in name, is a really important component that becomes almost like the glue that holds everything together and mm. and continues to drive that. With, without that, the whole thing can quite quickly fall fall yeah. over. That you um, and if I go into any of these businesses again, it's a good indicator if okay, this is this is on the right track because you meet the leaders or leadership team and you just go, wow, okay, they're they've they're genuinely. Um, good operators and mm. um, you know that's a that's a whole other subject in of itself yeah. so we can have another podcast episode later on yeah. that, if you like <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so um, uh, when you talk about implemented core values I was having uh, so one of the other conversations in this series has been about healthy workplaces and values lived values came up in that conversation mm. as well so I, I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a thread through the through the the, the series about healthy brand, healthy business. But um, he, he also mentioned this whole habit of just sticking them on the wall and not really living and breathing them. So um, mm. how, you know, how do you live and breathe them? I mean, you, you lead a, a business and you see all sorts of examples of people, even independent advisors. I mean, you still having values, even if you don't have a team is you know, just yeah, well, as important, got, your, your I think. Your team is all your clients and Yeah, absolutely, and, and all... absolutely. So how have, yeah. how have you kind of done that in, you know, growing the mind shop business, uh, building that out um, so that your independent advisors are actually part of that core values, belief and all of that sort of thing? Yeah. Was it something that started with, with your father or has it grown and morphed as you've gone along? It's, it's look, 90% of it is is from the get-go. Um, yeah. I think it, it is, it's almost like it just pulls through um, it, what, everything you bring to the table as an individual, as a leader, as a, a husband, a wife, a family member, everything that gets encapsulated as part of that gets brought into how you then run the business as an owner. And I think you've then got to think genuinely about what that means. Um, there's elements that then evolve um, on that, but it's most of the foundation I've found find is is set um and and i don't feel those core values evolve too much i mean it's 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 like the bedrock and the stable backbone to everything you do as a as, as a business so from our perspective it's then making sure that one we've articulated that and what that then means for the business we've got it articulated on our website as to what that that means in practice um but then uh, we Look, to be honest, we don't go over and above with a, you know, regular training. And I see some that's up. And I think, look, 
we're a smaller team, so we don't have to do a, a lot of the things. I think if you're a large organisation, you would have to do a lot of reinforcement and continuous education in that space. But I think the key component is just living them through the leaders that they're actually demonstrating that in everything they do, every decision they make, every strategy they put in place is filtered through those core values of the making the right decisions. Um, you know, if we made certain choices through the pandemic, um, you know, I, I, everything was led through core values. We didn't, we were probably one of the only organisations that, you know, with the IT business, we're an essential worker. And, and so I was in here with, the t and it was like a, a war room. Now we've got a huge office in, in here, in our context. Um, we never rang up our landlords once and asked to reduce rent because I didn't think that was, we didn't see a financial impact on the business. So when I looked at our core, that, I could have you know, pulled an Achilles heel like everybody else, but that, was, that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. We don't do sponsors at any of our events because that's just not how I like to, to run things. So we, But we could make a huge amount of money out of running sponsors and selling our database and doing all those things, but we choose not to. And that's mm -hmm. all driven through core value. So it's the decisions, it's the leadership, it's the conversations, it's the ad hoc you know, open door policies in offices. It's the way we look at work from home. It's all of those things encapsulated. I think it's the the best way um, mm. rather than a, an artificial training course or anything like that. It has to be lived through the leaders um, yeah. in all they do. Yeah, and and you're you're absolutely right. I think it's a bit like um, I'm not a parent, but being a parent, and you wonder why your child's misbehaving, and then you realise, oh, that's how I behave. You know, they're just uh, because what we do. I I have a a bit of a joke that we're all just grown up kids. Doesn't matter how old we get, underneath we're still that kid who is modeling behavior on what they see works. So yeah. if 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 the leaders are modeling the kind of behavior that's that's really working in the organization and pulling it forward and, and that sort of thing, then why would you not um, step into that? Or if it's not right for you, choose to go somewhere else, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it's trying to not be all things to all people in that space mm. as well. It's actually to be comfortable that, you know, I know in our business, we only suit a certain type of people from a customer perspective, from a team perspective, and that's okay. Yeah. It, it, it's it's silly to try and be all, if you see all these other, you know, they're twisting themselves into knots, trying mm. to be all these and and to be the, you know, the, you know, almost like the, the Amazon in a small, it's like, no, 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 just be yourself, yeah. uh, do what's right for your business. You'll yeah. Yeah. attract and retain the right type of people from yeah. there. Yeah, and that's been my experience. I mean, as you know, when we when we last spoke, I was a reasonably new entrepreneur and I was sort of playing around with what, you know, what my lane was. I knew what my strengths and my capabilities were, but, you know, I hadn't, I don't think I quite landed firmly in the personal branding space. And it was when I made a choice about building mm -hmm. brand you, what that was. And all of a sudden I went, okay, right, mm -hmm. this is the business. And if it doesn't kind of hang... I think there's something about when you try and be all things to all people, I don't, I don't need nor want to coach 6 billion people on the planet or adults on the planet. Mm. It's just exhausting, but kind of go, okay, so, so how do I help people to unlock their greatest asset? How do I help them to harness who they are, help them articulate what they want so they get the opportunities for their life, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So then that's a really different conversation from walking around going, I'm a business coach, which is how I started. And it makes yes. it really easy to, to you talk before about continuous improvement in product or services. Um, yes, because I'm focused and it's not 
broad and saying, oh, I have to be all these things or I have to capture yeah. every market. I don't need to work with everybody. I don't want to work with everybody. And not no. all clients suit me and I don't suit all clients. So, And, and yeah. that's a good place to be because whether it's that or your overarching plan, if that's yeah. too rigid or you've mm. just got to have that again, that the antenna's up and just being um, self-aware enough to take on feedback and get through those cycles quickly. Um, yeah. Too many people can take a couple of years to work out, oh, hang on, that's not working because they've been so stubborn in saying, um, uh, hang on, every one of these clients is telling me that this is crap, is wrong, I'm right, it's going to work, it's, you know, yeah. just hang in there. And then yeah. two years, oh, no, 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 I'll change. It's like the, the smart ones work that out in two to three months and yeah. go, I'll pivot out of this, this is not working, and, and yeah. just drop the ego and just go, right, that's where it's at. And I think, as you said, you know, your journey, my journey, everybody, the, the high performers, I think get through those cycles quite quickly because again, they leave their ego at the door and they just go, well, Hey, the right answer is the right answer. Yeah. Um, and, and just be open to that feedback. Um, and it, it can hurt at times, but I, I, I found that that's been a secret to our success over time that you've, you're, you're open to being, you know, whacked occasionally and somebody goes, yep, no, don't, don't go down the business code, go down the business, uh, the personal branding route. And off yeah. You go and- yeah. And often it's your customers that do the best job of doing that. I feel well one yeah. they'll tell you 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 know look at the money in the bank at the end and go wow I've got rent to pay or I've got bills to pay and my customers aren't helping me to do that best I listen to them but I think the other thing um, I've learned more and more is my my best tweaks and improvements have come from just listening to customers or observing you know where they get stuck that's how building brand new was born was actually listening mm-hmm. to customers and them saying you know, I feel invisible, I feel disconnected. And I went, and that's what building brand you is all about, unlocking you. Yes. That it was like a, you know, an aha moment for me. But once I landed on it, it was brilliant. So, um, yeah, so you talked about, um, so what are the values? What are MindShop's values? Yeah, uh, good good question. I know, uh, you so didn't our, t- our... talk about those before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so no, our, our core, core value is all around a, a concept of, of value to others. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you'd, you'd come across, uh, I, I think we've discussed that in, in the past mm-hmm. um, in, in regard to value to others, which is our, from a core perspective, it's, it's really an opportunity for us to be saying that most of the decisions we make are with the best interests of other, others first. Uh, not looking for anything um, in return. Mm. So that's that's one of our first. Uh, secondly, it's it's all around authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, that is brought through and all we do, we just say it how it is and, and you know, a, a pretty uh, straight straight shooters in that, that sense. Uh, the other one is around continuous improvement. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're big on, on that side of things. Uh, best practice is another... Um, our community contribution, which we do through our program called Mindship Excellence, which um, educates uh, young people in problem-solving tools and techniques at oh, sort of wow. that year nine level, and then they go and solve real problems in our businesses. So that's our sort of giving back side of things. And then lastly, it's it's the sixth and final one is is around fun. Uh, so it pulls through into our events, not gimmicky fun, but just you can have a laugh at yourself, um, you know, have fun on the way through. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those six core values are certainly what what drive everything. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. Um, I've, I've been involved in um, schools for the last four years as a, as a governor. So when you talked about that community contribution piece and doing the work with year nines on problem solving, I, my ear, little ears just pricked up mm-hmm. and I went. And, and I just think, um, you know, please so much more of that in schools yes. because sometimes it's not the formal subjects that get us by. I've 
found. Um, it's been more of those, I don't want to call them soft skills, but it's problem solving, it's resilience, it's, mm. you know, taking personal responsibility for how you live your life and, and growing and all of those sorts of things. And they're not things you necessarily learn in a subject, are they? They're kind of experiential no. things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah. that's, you know, what, what's driven us for, you know, since we were founded when, when that was established as well, that uh, we saw a need within um, younger ones coming through to not just learn the problem solving skills, but to look at subjects, uh, well, you know, that they could move into certain areas um, and, and probably have a broader um, appreciation of businesses outside of traditional, I'm a police officer, an accountant, a lawyer, uh, this, and, mm. and so have a broader sense of business rather than, to, and this is a replacement for work experience programs yeah. that most schools do, um, where, you know, kids are typically go in and, you know, make coffees or do photocopying. It's, it's much more about um, them solving real problems. So, yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah. certainly and been a good fun thing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. So um, how do you think um, you can do this globally or from an Australian point of view, if you like? Mm -hmm. So how healthy do you think businesses are in general? Look, it's 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 a bit like talking about the property market or anything like that. I think it's it's um, it's pockets. Uh, you know, I, I think in general, um, it, it's it's yeah, it's it's like a bell curve. Uh, you, you've got those that are uh, you know amazing, uh, the poster childs, um, but the the vast majority are probably somewhere in the middle. They've got you know lots of things they're doing really well um, and and reasonably healthy and then there's a few areas that they've got to got to work on and then there's the, the laggards that are have got some real challenges and are unprofitable and and um you may not make it so i, I think it's that you know again the, the typical distribution i tend to find I, I think there's a lot of people still again post pandemic uh, tired uh, challenged um in regard to which direction they're heading in they've you know supply chain issues there's financial challenges, there's people issues, there's capacity challenges, there's all of that. So that's creating a lot of angst and stress. So from a health perspective, I think that's a probably a, an undercurrent that's that that there's still a lot of fatigue and tiredness and uncertainty out there. Um, but there's some you know really good businesses with just tired leaders and owners in them. Um, mm. So I think in general, I think most people are pretty self-aware, uh, but I'm probably dealing with a quite a curated Group, but I think the good thing with social media, with the easy access to intellectual property now, there's a lot of people well read and the like. You know, I think the key then is, you know, you meet a lot of people who've read hundreds of books, but they've got to actually put it into practice into their own context and and actually do what they say they're going to do. So I think people are a lot more self aware these days. There's probably on paper a lot more sort of healthy businesses, but I think there's probably the same as it's always been. There's the the, the, the real exemplars and then the the, the crappier ones yeah yeah i read a statistic uh, in the uk a couple of years ago about um i think it was uh, there were uh, 12 percent of of, of um, new businesses new micro businesses every year um and um 13 of them go out of business so you kind of go hmm okay so as many start and slightly more stop yeah. uh, for various reasons it's not always you know failure that makes people go out of business it might be they get acquired you know they sell the business or um stuff like that but i thought it was a really interesting statistic and particularly in the in the uk i, I presume it's similar in the countries you're working in is that the the predominance of sort of micro businesses under 10 employees and the impact 
uh, the contribution they are actually making to the economy versus some of the bigger corporates, um, I thought was quite extraordinary. Actually, I hadn't realised yeah. it before. And there's certainly been a big growth the last sort of decade or so of people becoming entrepreneurs and, and starting their own businesses. I mean, that's obviously always been there, but it's certainly um, a lot more prolific as people sort of gone on almost a journey like yourself, you know, they've worked in a large corporate, they said, look, I want to do my own thing um, and start another business. And, and so, yeah, I think that that's certainly been a big thing the, the last few years, but um, yeah, it, it's yeah, going to be just an interesting few years ahead, I think. Yeah. And I think what you said as well about the, um, you know, we, when we talk about um, healthy business, uh, there is the mental health aspect. We have a, another um, uh, episode in this series where we're going to talk about um, healthy mind, healthy mindset, that sort of thing. But I just think it's, you know, it's interesting that, that you mention it, that, that fatigue and that um, I heard someone once call what we're going through now after COVID something like post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, yeah, or and, and it's like anybody that's gone through that, that that they just need to be surrounded by good people, a good community, family, business, mm, mm. religion, whatever you, whatever you can surround yourself with to make sure you've got the right sounding boards in those yeah. particular spaces that you can have um, honest conversations about where people are. And the, the good thing now is I think there's more and more people comfortable to do that. There's obviously still a lot of people that aren't and, and you know, bottle it up. Um, but, yeah, I think, a, you know, a, a growing issue um, that... Uh, yeah, it is going to continue to get some airtime. So it's probably, yeah, this is this has brought it right to the fore. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, next next few years is going to get get interesting. Mm, but, you yeah. know, like all things, it's it's an opportunity for others to, you know, pave their way through that, that, um, you know, can put those support mechanisms in place, you know, understand, this, you know, all of that and, yeah. and continue to soldier through. Yeah. And and with MindShop as well, what you've done is is build an amazing community who have tapped into you and your team but also have tapped into each other yeah and and we've always been community-led in everything we've done um because i think that is the core to a successful group like this you uh, you, you see again a lot of people in our space that i'd call a guru-led they're they're behind an individual that is the font of all knowledge and you know i want to aspire to be like that it's quite an aspirational model whereas i want people to be able to choose their own adventure and be like the people an amalgamation of the community that they're surrounded by and take on the best bits and ignore the bits that they don't don't agree with so yeah from our perspective we we are like that again it's like i guess a microcosm of of your own personal life as well you want to have some people you know need you a lot some people say just don't talk to me for a number of years i, I know where you are like a security blanket will come to you when you need to, where the others we're chatting to once a week, other people yeah. have problems you're chatting to them once a day. Um, yeah. But the people know, and that's a key from a personal brand for me as a leader, but also for MindShop that, you know, if people say, Joe, we genuinely say how high we, we are there. Like, you know, I'm always to the second for every meeting. Every call is to the second. Uh, we never run event, event over time. So we've got this very high level of trust and um, we're always there. If I book a meeting, it will not move. Um, I will always be there. And in, an, in a world at the moment where that doesn't happen a lot yeah, and it's it one of my biggest bugbears, that's a whole other podcast topic. Don't get oh, We can talk about that, that too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one just is one of my biggest frustrations. But um, just the um, lack of trust out there that you've just people just chopping and changing. It's almost like, oh, the busier I get, the more 
important I feel if I'm just aloof and, and uh, untouchable and I move me like I had yeah. people the other I constantly get senior leaders that oh I'm just going to move this and move that and my EA will deal with you and I just don't do that and I can't stand when people do it to me so from my perspective we were always there for our our people and I think from getting back to your point on the mental health side I think that that is a core component of trust that you are reliable yeah and if you're yeah. not not there for people in their time of need and when they need it mm. um, that just cascades through everything else you do and I think that's an Achilles heel for a lot of people at the moment that they're they say they're trustworthy but then you chat to people that off camera personal brand is is that they are unreliable that mm. they go missing in action and, and yeah. therefore everything else goes from there yeah yes yeah. So that that is something I do a lot of work in both with um in in corporates with uh leadership and emerging leadership teams but also uh with my own clients is go stop thinking about the shiny stuff about personal brand your personal brand is how you show up for people it's how they experience you not what you think of yourself so if you want to turn up if you want to show up in a certain way then um you know it's about thinking about how you think and how you behave so that that other people see that as well because if they're feeding yeah. back to you that you're not that you aren't you know Absolutely. your personal brand and, is and from others yeah yeah and there's uh, just a lot of self-sabotage out there at the moment that unintentionally for a lot of people they just mm. um are shooting themselves in the foot unknowingly so yeah yeah i i agree we could talk about this for ages um mm. <laughs> I, and I love i just have to go back and say when you said uh, you know you like for people to choose their own adventure i remember those books <laughs> i love yeah. those books they're amazing yeah, but that, that, absolutely and, that, and that's what it's all about i, yeah. I think you it, it's boring in life if everybody's the same or all robots and and uh I, I think it's nice to have that human element that gets pulled through into relationships with people that we're all okay with our, all our little differences and our idiosyncrasies and all the rest of it. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, it, it's what it's all about. Yeah. It's what makes it all interesting, isn't it? Mm, 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 exactly. Yeah. So um, what's sort of what's coming up for you and, and, and MindShop next? You mentioned you've just done a big round of your, I think it's your first face-to-face -face visit since before the pandemic, you know, going around uh, the regions no. or have you done something before? Uh, we we've done elements of it in March, oh, okay. um, and then we just did, then we just did the June July stuff, and we're about to hit all the um, August side of things. So everything else that's opening up, we're getting back around to. Um, so yeah, all of that side of the model, which is more the foundational elements, is is back, um, which is which is good. Um, so for us going forward, it's it's more about continuing to innovate with a lot of our technology that uh, continues to make the. Uh, way in which advisors work with their clients, you know, more and more frictionless that they can, um, you know, provide the support at scale to the people they're trying to deal with and, and really build their advisory model around the technology and the tools and the resources that we, we provide them. So a lot of the time we're putting into at the moment is uh, innovating in that space with the technology. So there's lots of cool stuff we're doing with, uh, we're just about to release all this new, um, our business health check online technology where, you know, it's all, pumps out PDF documents with call to actions and it's all co-branded for people and people can custom build their own diagnostics around any topic they want and, and all our online coaching technology, there's lots of stuff happening there. So the technology is a big thing for us, but we're also, you know, everybody's always looked to us as a, I guess, a key um, or core change and strategy methodology as well. So we're trying to bring that and commercialize that more under this notion of a mind shot way going forward mm. that 
Uh, a bit like you see with groups, you know, like an EOS or others that are out there. Yeah. You know, people use us and the people that are experienced with us get it and they, you know, they just roll off the tongue all the things they use from us in driving strategy and change and leadership across an organisation. Mm. But we want to actually you know, make that a much more, not a bouncing ball approach, but a lot more of a systematised. So a lot of efforts going into that the next two years, we've just gone through a big rebrand. So trying to bring all our IP to all align with that so that people can, businesses are out there saying, we want to do things the mind shop way and drive change in our business. And therefore they would love to work with one of our advisors that's you know licensed to actually deliver that side of things. So there's a lot of work going into that mm. um, space at the moment to just, uh, I guess, create pathways and linkages a lot more across our intellectual property because it's yep. there's so much stuff we've got it's just trying to tie a lot of that together so yeah a lot of effort will go into that the next um couple of years and we'll just keep keep growing through our uh, the success of our existing members yeah yeah and and how does your um your member pool if i can say it like that how does that grow is that referrals through members or do you shoulder tap people or how does that work yeah, look, we, we, we're just constantly out there just, uh, again, I'm probably big on making sure that we will get success with the success of our members. So we yeah. want to just keep amplifying the success stories that our people are getting and then others then say, hey, I want to have some of what they're doing. We, we don't buy databases. We don't do lots of speaking at lots of events. Um, we don't market heavy we, we don't sponsor things we we just don't do any of that that says uh, you know be like me and you know mm. you can create this overnight it's just not our way so yeah. we much prefer to say look um, let's grow organically through good referrals um, and uh, that that that's worked well to date and I think we'll continue to work well at the pace of change we're looking for and and I think we're trying to be a I guess an example of what we'd like our advisors to do the best advisors now continue to run their whether it's their accounting practice or whether it's their advisory businesses, their cash cow, and then they're off investing in other, you know, taking equity in clients' businesses, they're starting up other things, they've got other investments, they're doing other things. So, they, but they never drop the cash cow um, because mm. that keeps their hand in for everything they're doing. So we're trying to be an exemplar of that and have Mindshop manageable and growing and exciting and all the fun stuff, but it's not all we do um, yeah. as, a, as a family and as an individual. We've got lots of other things we're doing too. And so, I, yeah, I, we're not the type that want to scale it and exit it and move on. That's not yeah. – we, we enjoy everybody we knock around with and we'll just keep doing that. Yeah. And I think well, I was going to um, actually ask you about – you mentioned scale um, a few times um, through the conversation and, you know, it's that um, what you're doing is helping um, advisors to scale their business – with giving them all the tools. Um, and I was going to say, how does that equate, you know, is it the same sort of methodology that's slow and, and steady? Um, you know, how do you sort of determine or advise maybe is the better word, some of those, those people who are coming into the, the mind shop fold about, well, if you, if you want to scale, you know, slow and steady is best, or does it depend on their business or their temperament? It depends on their own that, yeah, okay. it depends on their vision. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's lots of different ways they can do it. They can scale through lifting, um, you know, their capability, their confidence, and therefore yeah. lifting their pricing. Yeah. Um, so they're going from, you know, I tend to find there's not a lot of difference between somebody charging, you know, two, three thousand dollars a day versus somebody charging ten to twelve. Um, okay. It's just confidence and ability to deliver. Um, okay. So pricing is one methodology. 
One's moving from a lot of one-to-one to to a lot of one-to-many. So much more uh, grouped coaching, group workshops as a model. Um, But that certainly limits your price. Um, you know, you've got to be careful. There's got to, that's probably another topic for another day. Um, but you've, we've got about you've, five um, more discussions going on now, James. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, still so podcast series you've, between you've us. Got the one, yeah, you've got the one to many. Then you've got the technology side of things, which allows you to scale up as well and and offer a lot more support to people. Mm. Um, you know, so that isn't related to your time as well. Yeah. Um, Again, got to be careful with productization. And then there's the sort of the bigger program stuff that people are doing now. So it's it's instead of just I'm working with a CEO at two, three grand a month, they're working with somebody that might be, we've had stuff up to 80,000 a month at times with people charging clients um, for large across multiple division type programs. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way we're just arming them up with the models, the pricing, the how-to, the not over you know, gold plating stuff. It's all the all that back end. Yeah. Um, but not everybody wants to do that. Every so, some people are into you know want to run a lifestyle business, and that's that's great too. So it, yeah, it gets back to that choose your own adventure. You just yeah. you know some people grab little bits that suit them. Some people you know want to be able to run their business from anywhere in the world. And the cool thing is they can do that on our tech. So yeah. it's um yeah, it's it's what horses for courses. So. Yeah, yeah. As always, um, you're speaking mm. to the converted when you say run their business from anywhere in the world. As someone who lives in London <laughs> and has family in, exactly. in Australia and very, very close friends in uh, the US, uh, yes, mm-hmm. that but it, it's interesting when you talk about the, 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 the goals for your business. I, I think back now, three and a half years on, and think about the, th- the three goals I set myself, and this trip was mm-hmm. the third one, being able to do mm. exactly this. So there's something about setting yourself not just money goals it's not it's about mm. what the money can do for you what sort of life yeah you actually want and the model and the model as well yeah you, we tend to find the the ultimate end point for a lot of our advice is actually pulling back from a lot of things because they're you know being able to probably earn one and a half times what they were but at three to four days and that's more time whether they want to invest that then in family in charitable endeavors whether it's uh you know going to run along to a beach house what, whatever whatever floats their boat but yeah people are just trying to better get monetize their time a lot more effectively um and but it's again it's a topic for another day of the slippery slopes if you try and productize too much the type of clients you're attracted there's, there's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff there but yeah. it, in general it's just about people being trying to find that sweet spot of you know money personal endeavors life balance, all those things wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the heart of this, if I think back across our conversation, that the thread that really comes out to me is knowing your customers. So for you, it's your advisors, but it's also their customers and understanding how you provide, as you said, value for others, for all of others through the chain and, and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's customer centricity, but it's, it's as much about knowing your customers as knowing yourselves as well as True. the business. I think it's, it's making sure that you've got those to aligned um, and uh, yeah, just, just continuously improving year on year. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, James, we've been talking about quite a bit over this. We've avoided going down some very slippery paths and um, <laughs> hours of conversation. Uh, one of the things that um, building brand you is all about is being um, in action is, is being practical and, and having people who come into contact with us able to take something away and action straight away so um 
uh, ask all my guests for um, one nugget that they'd like to uh, leave with building brand new listeners today that they could go out and and implement or action straight away. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a challenging one. Um, look, I, I think from my perspective, it would be looking at. Um, I'm, I'm torn between it's it's you know the two things in my head is around change readiness and and and. The, the level to which people, um, you know, can look at their their change potential, if you like, and it, well, let, let's focus on that one. I think it's okay. you I, can I'd have love to. to see a lot of. No, no, I, I won't be greedy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think from our perspective, we've got a model out we call our change success model, which looks at there's three components to driving successful change, which is around, yeah. you know, your level of readiness, your level of capability, and the beliefs you have that you can drive change successfully around that initiative. So, yeah. from our perspective. I see a lot of plans, a lot of good intentions, a lot of visions. Um, But what I'd love to see more people do is to really filter that on saying, well, what's our probability of change success? Out the box, you know, literature says you've got a probability of about, you know, 30%. And most people just trial and error and try and hope for the best each year. But I think if people could, as a final step before they say, hey, we've done our plan, we've done our vision, before they then take the next step to say, right, let's roll this out, I'd stop and prop and say, right, how change, what's our change readiness potential at the moment? Is it, have we looked at our level of readiness? Have we looked at the capabilities of our people and our, our overall organisation? And what's the beliefs of our leadership team that we can actually get this stuff done? Is there any of these sort of things that might trip us up as we're driving you know, forward in our business? So I think that, that would be the key thing I'd suggest to people to make sure that they test themselves on that before they just try and implement and hope for the best. Yeah, I think it's a, it's great advice and I think it applies equally to organisation as to um, individual entrepreneurs. I think they're, they're very valuable things we can ask ourselves actually before mm, racing exactly. off perhaps. Yeah, yeah mm. brilliant. So if um, people wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about uh, Mindshop or, or anything that, has come up as part of this podcast with you uh what is the best way to get in touch with you we will put all your contact details in the show notes and that sort of thing but what's the what's your favorite way for people to get in contact with you yeah look you you know they can search up my name on linkedin for an individual connection or to to reach out um obviously the website's probably the best medium for people to find out more which is www.mindshop.com and it's got all the contact details of our regional directors across Asia Pacific, North America, and, and across Europe. And, and they're probably best placed to be the a touch point for people in regard to from a mind shop perspective. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to connect up with me on, on LinkedIn, you know, James Mason and search mind shop and it'll it'll pop up, no, no problems. But we've got a lot of great material on our website that um, not only explains what we do and how we do it, but then there's lots of good material if people are looking for higher performance as a business advisor as well. Great. Perfect. Well, we have been all over the shop, so to speak, um, and there's not much more left for me to do except to thank you for um, being part of this special um, Down Under series uh, on Healthy Brands, Healthy Business. Um, It has been a delight to talk to you um, again, and particularly in a different capacity, um, and sort of get all those nuggets out for, for me to share with the Building Brand New listeners. So thank you so much for your time and your generosity today, James. No, I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to be part of it today. Um, I think, you know, the questions were, were fantastic. And, uh, yeah, just a, a big thank you from my perspective as well for, um, for, for inviting me. 
you are more than welcome. And listeners, uh, stay tuned for more from Building Brand You next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand You podcast. I'm Kim Hamer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For all the latest news and special offers, hot tips, and exclusive content, you can also become a member of the Building Brand You Facebook group. Just type Building Brand You into the Facebook search box and request to join. And if you want to unlock your reputation, your results, and your impact right away, our new program, The Vice Squad, is now live. You'll find the link to find out more and to register your place in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.